Hey there, welcome to Let's Coffee. My name is Kayo Kosha and I'm joined today by Steve Benitez and you are the CEO I'm the CEO. and founder of Bose Coffee. Um, Let's Coffee is a, well, it's basically a talk show where uh, if you've ever, ever had those moments when you're having coffee, especially for those of us in the industry, and we're talking about coffee and the industry, and you think, oh, maybe we should have recorded this conversation. It would be nice if other people could get involved. Um, and that's really it. Just mm-hmm. the things that we talk about over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those are big ideas, right? Which is kind of interesting. These big ideas over a small cup I, of I coffee. Like the, I like the idea. I like the concept. Thank you very much, Kyo, for having me here. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Like it, it means a lot to me. You know, like I've been going to Bose for decades now, right? It's been twenty three. 23 years. years. 23 years of Bose. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember in the 90s when I first started drinking coffees, mm-hmm. um, it was very much, you know, Starbucks, Figaro, and Bose, mm-hmm. right? And everyone was saying, oh, Bose, that's a Cebu one. You got to try that one, mm-hmm. right? Um, so uh, like my, my very earliest memories of drinking coffee, mm-hmm. very much associated with, with your company. So it, it's, uh, it's an honor. What's the origin story for you or, you know, if it was like a comic book, right? How did, you know, what was the radioactive spider that bit Steve Benitez and turned you, you know, made you do Bose coffee? Uh, well, Bose was born out of my trips abroad. Okay. So I would really go out of travel different places. And most of the time I find myself in coffee shops. Uh, I'm not a typical tourist who would go into very touristy areas. And so I'll go into local uh, areas that that's not frequented by tourists and and the most uh, convenient place to end up hanging out was a coffee shop, and so I really like, I really enjoyed the experience. I, you know, um, I started liking coffee as a beverage at first, but then it, it turned out to the whole coffee experience. Mm-hmm. And every trip I go out, I look forward to that whole coffee shop experience. That's because that's where I uh, have. A very deep, a deeper experience of the culture of that particular place. Uh, I'll see the people around the coffee shops. I, I, I just watch people walking around. I watch people interacting with each other because most of the time I would be traveling by myself, hmm. and it's a most comfortable place to be alone. Right? Why was that? Why were you going places on your own? Was it for business? No, um, I, I'm, I'm a. By heart, I'm an adventurer. I really like to go and adventure different places. Way before all of this millennial experience, experiential stuff really happened, right? So, so for, for the record, you do not consider yourself to be a millennial. Millennial by heart, perhaps, okay. yeah. But uh, in an ex-gen body. <laughs> okay. Yeah so, uh, yeah, so that's something I really look forward to. I would spend more on experiences than actual, what they call... Uh, shopping or dining mm-hmm. out so and I I kind of have a very good uh, um, uh, dose of experience in a coffee shop and that's something I look forward to every time I traveled and one day I just said you know you, you asked me what what was the spider uh, that bit me that was when I uh, if I really think about it that was when I was sitting in a cafe outside in in, in Orange County in LA, uh, Orange County in LA, and I was on my way home that evening, and I said, I'm gonna miss this experience. And then my friend said, I was with a friend of mine, and he said, 
why don't we, I mean, you know, why don't we, why don't you just bring this back home? Mm-hmm. And I said, why not? Right? So what, that was what like. What was that cafe, do you remember? You know, I would go to that cafe. It was called Piray. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was in the mall, but it was, it was, it was outside the mall, the perimeter, and they had sidewalk, uh, uh, ambiance and an alfresco area where I would sit down, look at the street, all the cars passing by, all people walking through the coffee shop. And that's when I said, why not? I mean, you know, why do I have to wait for my next trip? Why don't I share this experience that I really enjoyed to the community back home in Cebu? So that was in 1994. And uh, for two years, I studied the whole experience. Uh, I would travel more, go out of the country more, to just really study the whole experience. And at the same time, I dug deeper into the beverage itself. So uh, <clears throat> I attended I attended expos, I attended conferences, I did a lot of self-study, I did a lot of, uh, um, uh, how would I call this, uh, really living the culture in my trips abroad. Right? So that that's the whole that was the whole story behind my romance with the good coffee. So that means that your foundation year was 1996. 94, I start. That was the time I had that light bulb moment. Yeah. And 96 in June was the day that I opened my first shop. So that puts you at 23 years. 20. Well, 94. I was 25 years in. In my uh, exploration of co- coffee, in but your then, journey. but my first uh, shop is 23 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So um, when you guys got to 20 years, what what happened at that point? Like, did you guys celebrate? Was there a? Well, uh, we had a big celebration mm-hmm. every five years of mm-hmm. milestone uh, would be a big celebration. So 15 years, uh, we did have a celebration by offering. Uh, the market, um, we just had a promotion for, for the market to enjoy a coffee. Um, 20 years was also a big celebration, but I think I'm looking forward to the 25th year, which is two years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 we haven't really planned it, but that should be a big one. So <clears throat> over 20 years, the market changes a lot. Mm-hmm. What are your key observations over the last 20 years? The 20 years of the market, well, the market now is, uh, has become more sophisticated. Right? Mm-hmm. So when we were, we were, we were starting up, uh, at the beginning, it was more of a struggle to introduce the whole, ex- uh, espresso, um, uh, beverage to the market. It was totally new. What was prevalent at the time was just drip coffee or even instant coffee. And when we introduced espresso, it was like something repugnant. It was too strong for the market. Mm-hmm. Even 1996, 96, that, was, that was pre-Starbucks here. Yes. Starbucks here is about 98, 99. 99, right? 99. Yeah. So, yes, it was pre, pre-Starbucks here in the Philippines. So, um, so we, we introduced the espresso beverages, cappuccino, latte, and... What we did was just add more milk, add more sugar until they got accepted by the market, right? But now, I think the market has become more discriminating in taste, right? They 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 would they would 
if you put more milk, they say, no, I want it stronger than coffee. I want my coffee to be... There's a certain way that people like their coffee this uh, nowadays compared to how it was 20, 23 years ago. And do you find that those people are the same people or are they new coffee drinkers? Um, no, there's definitely more coffee drinkers right now. I mean, people are starting drinking coffee at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember back in the 80s and 90s, kids are not allowed to drink coffee because they stopped growing. That was the myth. Yeah. And so uh, people started drinking coffee right after college. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, for example, I started drinking a lot of coffee when I was taking up law school. But I used that not because I enjoyed it, but I used it just to, to wake me up mm-hmm. because I had to study till the wee hours of the morning. It was a legal stimulant. It was, yeah. yeah. But now it's, uh, you know, my kids, uh, even at grade uh, elementary or high school, asking me if they could drink coffee. But the good thing about uh, the difference before and now is also because there's a lot of innovation in, in the coffee beverage industry. Mm-hmm. So... Before it was purely hot beverages. Mm-hmm. Now you can come up with all of these blended drinks, and mm-hmm. so that's for for the younger kids. It's their first intro to coffee is to the ice blended, very sweet drinks. Almost right? like a milkshake. Almost like a milkshake, yeah. a dessert, and then when they get older, they go now shift to the more serious stuff. Like yeah, well. There, I mean, you look at the landscape in Metro Manila, there aren't really go-to places for things like milkshakes, uh-huh. right? You have fruit shakes, uh-huh. and then you have coffee, and then that middle kind of um, non-coffee beverage that's like slushy, a milkshake, kids don't have an option, uh-huh. right? So uh, coming to cafes with their parents, it actually becomes... Um, it becomes uh, more and more... Uh, important in the menu, mm-hmm. I think, right? Because I, you know, I have young children myself, mm-hmm. and I want to hang out in a cafe. There needs to be something for them to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you find yourselves in yardstick or cartel or something, they always give the kids these baby chinos, um, which, <laughs> which is the little um, chocolate and and steamed milk. Yeah. Um, so they like to play like they're drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, of course, my I imagine my children are much younger. I have a four year old and. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the eldest is eight. eight. It, it just turned eight. Um, but it's interesting because maybe a week ago we were in um, the new habitual cafe in Salceda Village, and uh, we had a my, my wife had a cortado, and uh, my eldest daughter Summer, when she was finished with her coffee, took a teaspoon and started eating the coffee <laughs> yeah, out out you know with the, with the teaspoon. Uh, I think because the you know the milk. Now, mm-hmm. the milk itself is sweet, uh-huh. right? And the coffee um, is also sweet, which is not something that we really had in the 90s. No, no definitely not. So now you, you play around with the milk, you play around with the coffee. I mean, you know, there's, there's just so many uh, advancements in, 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 in all of these new ingredients. So that, that's good for the industry. How do you see... Um, because we, we use these terms often, right? First wave, second wave, third wave, <coughs> and then there's specialty coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your definition of, of those and of specialty coffee? Okay. So if you look at first, second, third wave, uh, the first wave is really making mass-producing coffee to be able to distribute to more people. Mm-hmm. And the way they did that was 
through manufacturing of instant coffee. Mm -hmm. right? It's the fastest way to mass produce it, distribute it to as many people as they, they could at that time. And at the same time, you know, that's where all the Folgers and the Nescafe's and the Taster's Choice and all that stuff came, came out at that time in, in, in the 60s and 70s. And in the 80s, um, that's when the second wave followed next. And f for me, the second wave is really bringing in the espresso culture. How would you define third wave? And, and third wave, uh, after, after uh, uh, the cookie cutters uh, second wave, where you have all these coffee shops uh, spotting all over in the same fashion, I think uh, the third wave came when uh, they elevated even that quality further, right? So, and and people who started third wave experimenting more on on origins and experimenting more on processes on how to make uh, the brewing processes, different brewing processes of coffee. That's for me is third wave, and when uh, and also it started. Uh, Talking about traceability of coffee, where does your coffee come from? The origins of the coffee. So there, the the focus of third wave was more on the beans itself, <laughs> and 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 that's for me is what third wave is all about. And the fourth wave, or well, I, there's no fourth wave term yet, but maybe you say specialty coffee. It's just uh, um, Third wave taking up to the next level, where in the highest grade of coffee that you can ever find in in the industry would be called specialty, and this comes in micro lots. They come in small uh, batches. Uh, they're also uh, this. The, I think this specialty also now really more involves not just the beans itself, but now more the 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 the, the, the the farmers and, and 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 the roasters themselves, right? So there's a lot of more intricacies going into into specialty coffee. But I think the the, the main uh, for me is uh, there's the supply of the specialty coffee. It's not it's not easily you know they, you can find it. You know where to find it, but it's not. Easily accessible in the quantities in the that, quantities that yeah. you would want people to to try it on. And you have how many branches? Oh, we have, right now we have 102. So that's a lot of branches. It's a lot of coffee, and it's hard to source that amount. Especially Philippine specialty coffee. Yeah, what, it's how, hard. How do you think that can be solved? Well, that that's actually a big challenge that we have. Mm -hmm. Supply is a, is a concern that we have because there's not just not enough premium coffee that's in the market right now. So uh, uh, we source out most of our coffee from the highlands uh, in the north in in the south. So we have Mindanao and we have in Benguet and Mountain Province. So if you go to our shops, you'll, you'll have a, a steady supply of coffee, Philippine coffee origins that comes from specific areas in the Philippines. And that's 100% Arabica. Um, for our uh, main beverage that we use uh, different kinds of blends, but this is uh, due to supply uh, concern. This is a now mix of Philippine coffee as well as those that we import um, from outside. But one of our most conscious effort that everything we do in Boast should have a blend of, of Philippine coffee. But if you want to try 
100% Philippine coffee, it would be the Philippine coffee origins that we have. So right now we have five different origins. You have uh, Mount Matutong, Kitanglad, and Mount Apo from the Mindanao region. The and you have Sagad and Benguet uh, up in the north. In Benguet, we have specific uh, areas, Ampukao, we have uh, Atok, and now we have Kaliking. So we're even going specific what town it comes from. How is the selection done for that? Do they come to you? Are you guys... Well, we, 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 we search for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, since we have, uh, uh, we have the name in the industry, people come to us yeah. and offer us uh, their, their supply and their harvest. And we, it goes through the process in our R&D where we taste all of these different kinds of coffee. And maybe out of 10, only two or three would pass. Okay. And, and that's what we would offer, offer to the market. And every year, uh, let, me, let me tell you, you might say that the coffee that you get this year will not taste the same as last year. Yeah, definitely, because the supply is going to be a little bit different. It's also influenced by the weather. Uh, it's also influenced by uh, the rainfall for that particular year. And, and, and then, you know, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of factors that influence the taste. But we try as much as possible to source that out from the same suppliers or the same farmers in origins. How many, like, um, as the number of stores grow, you're also growing your consumption of coffee, Mm -hmm. right? Are you seeing there to be um, a potential inequity between the amount of coffee that you have available to purchase and the amount that you need to serve? That There will be. uh, If we don't do our job in trying to uh, help communities in the farms uh, um, alleviate or or, or uh, expand production, then we will come to a point where we'll not be able to meet demand with supply. So right now we work with a with uh, the Philippine Coffee Council that's uh, very informally still formed. Yeah. We work with DTI mm-hmm. and DA and we also work with uh, private individuals and private uh organizations. Uh, in fact, um, I, I'd like to uh, tell you that we've recently just, uh, I can't divulge it, but we recently just got into a collaboration with a, a uh, very reputable group who are uh, uh, supporting farms up in the north. So uh, our way of helping is really to to help uh, put up facilities for them, right? Mm-hmm. So. And, and if, we, if we put these facilities, uh, my understanding is it will help increase supply. It'll make, uh, it'll make the life of farmers easier because then they don't have to travel so far to bring their cherries. The, the, the mills will be... We bring the mills to where their farms are. So you're talking about building a wet mill, building a dry mill yeah. in the locations where the farms are yeah. um, so that those... Uh, so that harvest can be processed. Ultimately. So right now it would just be a dry mill. Okay. Yeah. The initial uh, uh, collaboration we're working with is a dry mill. And that would be a matter of we're essentially trying to limit the amount of coffee that gets wasted because it doesn't get processed. That's right. Right. Because that means that the coffee is there. That's right. It's just not being processed in a proper way that is worth uh, that you know is meeting meeting the spec. 
for serving in your cafe. That's right. You know, there are two ways that you can help the farmer improve the farmer's lives. Big bottom line is increasing their income, right? Mm -hmm. But how do you increase income? Two ways, expand volume or process it right. So if you don't have the volume yet, then you teach them how to process it right. They get more value for whatever harvest they have. And if you help them with their on the uh, on the planting side, right? Then you expand their uh, production. At the same time, increase the quality of their coffee. So you bring that income of the farmers up and make make lives better. Okay, so. <clears throat> 102 stores, mm -hmm. and you have this new flagship store in Cebu. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that new store? The new store was a, a uh, something that I really wanted to do maybe three to four years back, mm -hmm. and it got material. It, it materialized last year. Uh, it's a store. It's a 300, 300 350 square meter store or a standalone store in Cebu, we call it Rose Coffee Tribute Store. Mm -hmm. And why is it tribute? It's a tribute to Philippine coffee. It's also a tribute to, to our roots where we started in Cebu. So it, when you step into that store, you'll have a full experience of an experience bar where you can have all the different kinds of brewing methods you'd like to have your coffee. You can choose your origins from there, and then you can choose how you want it brewed. Uh, with a very, uh, uh, we call it more of a, uh, a, a barista expert, mm -hmm. different from the barista who would handle the core bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have products there that are also just very exclusive to the experience bar. Yeah, that that's what's uh, that's what's the different in the particular store. There, are coffee, we have coffee there that you can't find in all our other stores. So it's beyond. It's outside of the five ones that you said that you. Yes, 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 okay. yes. So, but no, but I mean, you know, maybe one or two, right? But yeah. I think the big difference is the methods of brewing. Uh, we would have five different kinds of brewing methods, not only for coffee, but we also have uh, uh, select teas. Um, that you won't find in other bows. We we would also have um, uh, methods that you won't find, green methods that are not available in our, all our other core stores. And uh, it's called an experience bar. At the same time, I'd like to call it a slow bar. Mm -hmm. Why well, it's a slow bar? Because you have time, take it slow. Yeah. And people and the barista can brew, tell you the story about the coffee beans and and where it comes from. Tells you how it's being brewed, you know, deliberately and slowly. And you know, in this very fast, uh, fast-paced life, I mean, I think everyone should take time out and slow down a little bit. You know, we, um, whenever we train our baristas um, on on our side in honeycombs, right? Mm -hmm. We train baristas for clients, and of course, we train our own baristas. And one of the things I always tell them is that you know, when people come to the cafe, to the coffee shop. It's like going to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Like they are looking to escape from their lives mm -hmm. for 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So what can we learn from the way that they run Disneyland? Mm -hmm. Well, when someone comes out of, you know, comes out of the doors of the staff areas and you're dressed as Mickey Mouse, you are for all intents and purposes Mickey Mouse. If you are dressed up as Buzz Lightyear, you are Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. And so it's the same thing for, for customers. When they come in and they see a barista, um, as much as they do see you as a human, 
they're expecting a certain performance, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's up to us to give them that escape, mm-hmm. right? To make them feel like this cup of coffee is, you know, a little cup of Disneyland, yeah. right, for them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th- that's one of the ways we approach it. And it, it's very interesting because you're talking about your your cafe and you're describing it to me. And you guys have been do, doing this for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, pre-third wave, mm-hmm. pre-specialty, it was a very different business. But what you're describing to me now f- sounds very much like a, like a you know, third wave specialty coffee mm-hmm. cafe. Yeah. And as you described earlier, this, the different waves mm-hmm. and specialty coffee, where do you see both fitting in in that uh Kind of in that spectrum. Yeah. No, so both, uh, it's, it's second wave pushing it towards third wave. And for a certain level in some stores, like the Tribute Store, we're offering what a specialty coffee is, right? So as I mentioned, there are coffees, coffees in, in, in the Tribute Store that you can only find in Tribute Stores. Mm-hmm. And they're very limited in supply. It's, you said stores. So are you planning to do more Tribute Stores? Maybe a couple more stores. Uh, I think tribute, giving tribute to Philippine coffee, it's really deserving for Philippine coffee. So you you think we're going to see one here in Manila? Well, it all depends on the location. If you find the right place uh, for the right market, yes, we would. That's my, that's our our dream to be able to do in, in Metro Manila. So a hundred stores, how do you maintain the quality, the consistency across so many locations. Do you guys have a process? Yes, we do. I mean, you know, you have the regular training, you have the uh, the reg- regular uh, um, um, assimilate the baristas into the whole culture. But you know, the I think the key uh, element in trying to maintain quality is really inculcating the values of our companies and the culture of quality and innovation. Into our barista, so it's it starts from the time they step into Bose. Uh, first day at work, it's nothing to do with coffee, but all to do about culture, and all to do about uh, what the vision and the mission is for Bose. And how, how do you communicate that? Uh, we do through trainings. I mean, you know, that's the things that they talk about initially as they join the company is really more about that. And then once they're aligned with that, then the coffee steps in, right? So they need to, they need to buy in to our mission and our vision and what we do. They need to buy into our values and the culture that we're trying to build and the culture of quality and the culture of innovation. And, Getting these people is is and finding these people to join us is actually not not easy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not not everyone can act totally understand that from that particular perspective. Um, but how do we do it? I think we how do we get the right people? That's a question that is being yeah asked, the hiring right? process. We sell them the dream, right? It's like I always try. If you ask people in our company who have been there for more than three to five years and ask them, why are you still here? Mm -hmm. And they'll give you an answer that they believe in what we do, that we have a mission that we need to accomplish. So in Bose, we hire people and we attract people 
not because of who we are, but because of what we do, because they believe in what we do. Right? So it's just a principle of why people buy your product. They buy the product, not just because of your product, but they buy your product because of what it stands for. So the same way that we try to, the same way that we attract and hire people. We hire people who believe in us. We hire people who uh, share the dream with us and share the vision with us. And we, and, and we keep them by aligning our values together. You have new investment as well from, uh, is it pronounced Navigar? Navigar. Yeah. Navigar, yeah. yeah. From the Navigar Fund. How does it affect things um, and what does that mean for Bose Coffee? So before they came in, um, I am an entrepreneur, so I run things very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. right? So we can make quick decisions. We make decisions out of sometimes just what we feel in the mm -hmm. guts. And what Navigar brought in was more of uh, good governance, fiscal discipline, and uh, really deliberate in making decisions. It's deliberate and strategic in making decisions. I think that's what this whole group brought in to to my to my company. Mm -hmm. So that so so you're fusing in the best of entrepreneurship and you fuse in the best of professional discipline and I think the results should should be more positive. Yeah. How do you see that um affecting your position in the local market um, and maybe even the international uh, scene. In what way? Are you seeing, uh, are you looking at the rapid growth period for Bose um, locally? Mm -hmm. Are you looking at maybe, in, uh, you know, large international goals? Yes, uh, definitely. You know, my, our vision for Bose is to become a global Filipino coffee company. Mm -hmm. And that's 2022-2023 uh, vision. Mm -hmm. And the way to get there is uh, our metrics would be uh, growing to a certain, uh, to 200, 250 store level. Locally. Store count level. Locally and uh, be present in at least five international uh, uh, locations. Mm -hmm. So last year we started off in Qatar. Uh, we signed up in seven, signed up for seven stores in Qatar and are now looking at two other countries within the Middle East region. And are those, uh, someone took a master franchise for Qatar? Yeah, the, our strategy going out is always to partner with a master license uh, holder. Holder. Yeah. Uh, I believe that uh, the key in international expansion is finding the right partner who has the same vision as we do yep. and who are, who's very good in execution. I mean, an operation, right? And that's that's the key. And so far, I think we we, we found one in Qatar, uh, and and we're making sure that particular uh, project would would be successful and would be our jumping board to to other countries. So, as, as a CEO, you said that you, a lot of the a lot of the way you run Bose has been, you know, through the gut and um, a very entrepreneurial. Uh, Almost like you're learning along the way, mm -hmm. right? Especially in those early days, I'm sure. Is there a CEO of another company um, or industry who you've looked up to as a role model and someone who you've um, 
you know, be trying to learn from? Yes, uh, there are a lot of them. But if you look at the, the, the top two for me, uh, would be the two biggest businessmen in the world, uh, Jeff Bezos and, 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 uh, Bill Gates. For, for particular reasons, right? Jeff Bezos, uh, for, he's so big in focus and I'm so big in focus. I mean, for 23 years, I've not swayed out of what I'm doing because I'm so focused on, on the goals that our company has. So it's all been both for 23 years. It's just both. No other businesses. Well, there are side small businesses, but I mean, 90% of my time is on both. on both for the last 23 years. And, and, and that will remain, uh, for the next four years. And, uh, I'm also looking at what, okay, this guy, you know, became who he is right now because for the first seven to 10 years, all he did was Amazon. And there's so many temptations to do other stuff when you are successful to a certain degree in what you're doing. But discipline on focus is it's a discipline. It's very important not to get swayed. Um, for Bill Gates, I'm looking at how, how is this guy able to detach himself from his company as a CEO way, be, way, way before and still maintain and the company still continue to grow. Is that something you want to accomplish as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I see myself, uh, 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 I don't see myself doing what I'm doing for the longest Forever. time, right? Yeah. So, but the detaching would be, that's the hardest part because there's always this, uh, uh, question in my mind that, okay, can, can somebody really truly understand the business the way that I do or see things the way that I do? And to detach yourself the way that Mr. Bill Gates did was like, okay, how did this guy do it? And he's not just, I, I like him. He's a total, you know, one of the things that I'm watching right now is, Bill's brain on Netflix, yeah. right? Yeah, and he's not a just you know he's not just a businessman. He's doing good for you know philanthropists, you know. Uh, yep. And yet his company is thriving. I mean, you know, that's something I really admire. And I say, how does this guy do it? Of course, you know, you just want to get inspired by these these guys. So, what else are you watching on Netflix? Oh. I'm not really, I, I don't really watch Netflix the way some people do and get stuck in it, mm-hmm. but just occasionally my wife pops up some, um, uh, documentaries. Uh, the last one was Bill's, Bill's Brain. The last three episodes, two episodes I've seen. Yeah. Cool. Me, I've been coming home and, uh, well, I come home relatively late at night. Uh, say goodnight to the kids. And then, um, this last week, my wife and I have been watching Abstract, mm-hmm. uh, which is a aesthetics and art, uh, mm-hmm. documentary on Netflix. So, uh, yeah, kind of the same thing. Like we don't watch a lot of TV, yeah. but it's nice to come home and it's strange. We still want to learn when you get home. Yeah. And like a relaxing is learning. Yeah. So it, it seems like you're, and you know, I'm not the type who would watch one episode and get stuck and watch all eight episodes mm-hmm. straight. I, I go one episode, the next day another episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's also good. Give some time to absorb, right? Mm-hmm. So you said that you opened that, um, that branch in, uh, you're opening up branches in Qatar, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're looking at having seven over there. Mm-hmm. 
we see a lot of Filipino baristas, a lot of great Filipino baristas going over to that part of the world and mm-hmm. leaving the country. Mm-hmm. Do you have opinions on that situation? As you mentioned earlier, it's quite hard to find great baristas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Happy and at the same time concerned, but uh, why am I happy? Because, you know, I always believe in the talent of the Filipino. We're very skilled, we're very creative people. And and one of the things that we're really, really good at is is we may not be very high tech, we may not be uh, uh, people who invent a lot of new stuff, but we're very high touch. We're very connected. We're people oriented people, right? So, and the barista is right on the spot in that industry where you connect to the people on a daily basis. And that's what Filipinos are really good at. We make people feel at home. We make people, we warm up people very easily. Uh, we make friends so easily. Uh, we take care of people. We know how to take care of people. We know how to connect. And, and so baristas, I have no doubt when they go out of the country, they're sought after precisely because of that particular gift. And I'm happy because we're able to export the goodness of the Filipino, right? Culture. And the, and, and the culture. And, and, and for foreigners, first contact with Filipinos is through a barista. The barista will definitely give a good name to the country. So I'm happy with that. Uh, at the same time, it improves lives. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we train baristas in, in both and knowing that they won't stay long because they're going to go out of the country and they move to another company. But that's okay. We, we take that as a cost of the business. But at the same time, we also call, uh, we also look at that as a calling, developing people, elevating people's lives through, through the skills that we transfer to these people. So I'm happy. Um, at the same time, we accept that fact. I mean, uh, we used to be very concerned, but now we just really accept the fact and work around it. It's been many years. Mm-hmm. In recent times, do you have any recent milestones that you want to uh, discuss or dive into a bit? Yeah, I'd like to... I'm excited to talk about our milestone this year. Uh, we're celebrating our 23rd year in the industry, but uh, we have not been... Uh, we have, we're unrelent, unrelenting in our pursuit for innovation. So we innovate from both sides of the spectrum, uh, all the way from product development, uh, deepening our ties with uh, Philippine Coffee, and as well as elevating customer experience through digital transformation. So let me go uh, deeper into that one by one. Product uh, innovation. I'd like to say that <clears throat> every year we continue to look the, looking for Philippine Coffee origins. And this year we're proud to say that we've added one more into our uh, Philippine Coffee origin. Uh, from Benguet, it's called Kaliking. Mm-hmm. They'll start, uh, we'll start serving that in our stores. You'll find that in some selected stores starting sometime November. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's adding, added to Ampukao, added to Atok, Benguet, would be Kaliking. And I'm excited to, to have that on our lineup. We also continuously innovate on beverages. Um, <clears throat> so we'll have all of these new beverages coming up for the Christmas season. Look, I hope you come visit our stores. I look forward to that. Um, for deepening our ties with Philippine Coffee, we do that through our engagement with 
and collaboration with all the coffee stakeholders in the Philippines. So um, we're diving deeper into our engagement with coffee farmers. Uh, recently, we've just uh, uh, signed up a collaboration with a coffee stakeholder to support a establishment of a uh, dry coffee mill up, up in the north. So that should be uh, established by sometime November and mm -hmm. in time for the harvest season this coming January in February. The other one would be uh, elevating customer experience. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is not just store customer experience, but at the same time, offline and online customer experience. So I'd say online is through digital transformation. So we've uh, done a lot of things uh, that is digital focused. And one of the things we introduced this year is um, is is our advanced coffee ordering, where we make it more convenient for people to order online and pick it up in store. In store. And so you skip the lines, uh, you have, uh, you skip the payment. Uh, you just, if you're on your way to a meeting, place an order. By the time you get to our store, it's ready. You just go straight to your meeting. Nice. And so it's it's quick. Uh, Are payments handled online? It's as well? handled online, or you can choose cash payment. Okay. But for me, it defeats the purpose if you don't go online yeah, uh, you don't payment go online, because yeah. then you have to line up for cash yeah. payment. But we're offering those uh, experiences. To our customers, uh, it's a conscious effort to elevate customer experience, not just in store but as well as online. It's also a great way to compress the decision making tree because, like, when you get to a store, you have to read through the whole menu, yes, figure out yes, all these different yes. options that you have. Yeah. But if you have it with you, then you know it compresses that time. You can make that decision in the car on the way there yeah. or during the walk there, and when you get there. Pick it up and go. That's right. So we also just recently introduced reloadable gift checks. Mm. So you can pay through through your reloadable cards. So all of these things we by next year should be integrated into one app. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now you can you can you can work you can avail of all of this uh, on on different uh, uh, platforms. But uh, next year it should be integrated into. One app. So, what should people look for on in the Play Store, in the App Store, maybe? Right now, uh, the advanced ordering is plainly on Messenger. Oh wow! So, if you are on Facebook, you don't need to download an app. Just just go to Messenger, put Bose Coffee Advanced Ordering. It pops out, tells you what branch you want to pick it up. Wow! Yeah. So it's built into, It's a Facebook application. It's basically. a Facebook application. Wow! Yeah. And you, so that means you don't have to install anything. Just you don't have to install. So that's what we try to avoid because you, people don't want to download so many apps into their phones. And then where does, where does payment take place? Inside of Facebook? Inside of Facebook. Okay. Yeah. So we go through Gcash, Paymaya, credit cards. Uh, so that should be integrated uh, as we go along. How has the rollout gone so far? Oh, we just rolled it out maybe... Just over a month ago, so, okay, the, so. the pickup is uh, we now have over ten thousand people on board. Uh, wow! Yeah, congratulations. Those those sound really interesting. Yeah, so these are things that uh, we, you know, we you can we can expand the business without putting up more stores. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but putting up more stores that's. But at the same time, where our expansion is uh, in all fronts, uh, we put up more stores. We go online. We go to far-flung cities uh, through franchising. 
uh, you'll see our uh, Bose coffee in bottled coffee soon in convenience stores. So, yeah. Are you guys producing that? We have that coffee? under license. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So when you start when you started Bose, it was just one coffee shop, mm -hmm. right? Like, how long were you running just the one shop before you opened the second one? Uh, eight months. Eight months. Eight so months. it was always in the plan to have multiple. Well, at least yes. Uh, the answer is at least, uh, at least for the you know I, I wanted to have just more than just one, right? Because mm -hmm. it wasn't worth the time. But to make it into uh, what it is right now was really uh, just started when I had my tenth store. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I can this can be a national brand. Uh, that's really just on the tenth store and beyond. Were the tenth stores all in Cebu? Or? Yes, it was all in Cebu. Okay, so th there was a lot of growth there before you went out of the yes uh, the city. There was a lot of opportunities, and there was a, a lot of um, uh, locations for you know, and the market was ready for it with that time. As someone who started an independent store, what's your what do you think of small independent shops today? The way I look at small, well, small independent shops, they're good for the market. I mean, uh, it's good for the industry because that makes, uh, that uh, stretches out the reach of all of the coffee shops to different markets, right? It also pushes uh, the status quo to improve. I mean, if, if, if for, for the legacy businesses that have been there for more than 20 years, there's a tendency to, to, to rely on your own strength and, and to rely on your own knowledge. But if you have all of these independent coffee shops sprouting all over and you start really looking at them and see what they're doing and learn from them, it pushes the old folks to be young again. Right? Mm -hmm. Continue innovating, yeah. to continue making yourself relevant to the market, to continue uh, um, uh, just uh, just just to be to be current. Are you referring to yourself as old folks? No, I'm talking about the other guys. Uh, the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On the other side of that, um, you guys are becoming an international coffee chain, mm -hmm. right? Well, what's your perception? What's your view on other international coffee chains? that you see in the market today? Here in the Philippines? Here in the Philippines, like international companies that have come and set up shop here. You know, I used to think that it's, and I used to really look forward to the day that the reverse would happen, where we export our brands rather than we import brands. Mm -hmm. But because of the propensity of the market to patronize foreign brands, there's, there's, no, there's no stopping for all of these foreign brands coming. But as far as the coffee industry is concerned, uh, I think uh, there's only one or two more coffee brands that's, that are not here yet. Mm -hmm. And because of the saturation and the strong leadership of one or two foreign brands, I don't think those others will come here anymore. Right? Um, I also, the way I look at it, uh, it, for this foreign brands, there's a certain saturation point that they could actually expand because the market has, they can't go beyond a particular market anymore. 
and I, I'm, I'm seeing that they're almost there. Uh, so, uh, but for us, uh, we still have a lot of opportunity for growth. There's still a lot, a lot of areas we haven't tapped, uh, which I think and I believe we can, uh, we can tap. So there's still a lot of opportunities here for, for local brands and, and independent brands like you mentioned uh, El Union a while ago, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really very important to learn for those who want to get into the business mm-hmm. um, of, of coffee shops. Uh, just f- finding your own niche. You don't have to be in Metro Manila. You don't have to be in Metro Cebu. You can have some areas where you find a niche and, and make your name there. Uh, and and I think... Uh, uh, El Union could be a great example for that. I mean, fantastic story that and successful story they they did in 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 La Union in San Juan. And there are many areas in the Philippines where they can replicate that particular model. Yeah, they went to a place where there were no cafes. I know. Yeah, I remember. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to uh, get someone. You some should, maybe we know someone over there we can talk to. You should bring one uh, one of those <laughs> two guys. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I, I remember um, I, I was privy to a lot of the discussions when they were first setting it up, yeah. and they were very specific that they wanted to put a La Marzoho linea. Um, out, Outside. out there, you know, in what was a rice store at the yeah. time, like they took over a rice store, yeah. um, for the first shop. Yeah. And they were, you know, kiddo and Sly were very specific. They were like, okay, we're going to shock everyone. Like, what is this machine doing <laughs> in the middle of this place with no cafes and no coffee shops? Yeah. And, you know, in the last few years that they've been operating there, a lot of other shops have popped up. Yeah. So it's, but you know, another, uh, uh, thing for those who want to get into the industry, mm-hmm. which is the coffee industry, you don't, you know, the only uh, entering into having a coffee shop is not the only way to do it in the industry. I mean, people look at it, the easiest way is to put up your own coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, and it's the hardest as well. Yeah. Uh, because of, of, of the it's work. It's the most obvious. It's the most obvious. The it feels yeah. like it's easy, but it's the hardest and it's the most competitive and it's the most expensive to get. Uh, there are other ways. You can go uh, the way, the calzado way. I mean, you know, into In production. production. You can go into different cha- supply, different levels of the supply chain uh, and choose which one you want to get into. You go into roasting, you want to go into uh, post-harvest, pre-harvest, processing, uh, and distribution. You don't have to be in the coffee shop uh, servicing uh, business. Yeah, there's, I mean... Training, maintenance, machine service. Like, machine service, yeah, there's, there's, training, uh, a barista school, but there's, a, there's a quite a few there of that. Few now, but yeah. but, uh, but uh, there's another way of looking at uh, barista school. It doesn't have to be barista school. Uh, uh, just, you know, I, I'm trying to remember. There was, there was one example that was very intriguing to me, but... That escapes me right now, so I'll share that with you. Maybe, maybe we'll have you back here one day and have <laughs> another cup of coffee. We can talk to you about that. All right, so um, a question we ask all of our mm-hmm. guests here is if you could have a cup of coffee with any person in the world, maybe from any time as well, mm-hmm. who would that be and why? You know, coffee time for me is really very... It, 
I look at it as a relaxing time, you know. Mm. I don't want to be talking about business with that person. I don't want to be talking about uh, uh, coffee about that person. I would talk about some intriguing ideas. And one of the guys that I admire is the author Malcolm Gladwell. The way he thinks, it's different. The way he looks at things are different mm -hmm. and different topics are different. And I like reading his books. Uh, and so I'd like to speak with him over a cup of coffee. Very interesting. Well, if you ever find yourself in New York, I happen to know that he hangs out I a know. lot in the Ace Hotel. There? The Ace Hotel. Really? Yeah, like the second level, they have this big... Um, almost like a library, yeah. And it, it it gained a lot of popularity. It's like a free co-working space. I should you just go I'll there. Be, and have I'll some... be I'll be in New York in November, so maybe. yeah. I believe it's a Stumptown Coffee up there. I'm not sure. Ace Hotel. Yeah, the Ace Hotel in New York. It's well known that that's where Malcolm Gladwell will just pop down and write his column. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and maybe you can uh, bring a copy of his new book as well. I, okay, I will. But uh, the new book is uh, Talking to Strangers, right? Talking to Strangers. Yeah, yeah. came out maybe two weeks ago, I think. I, I haven't gotten my hand into the book. I think I pre-ordered it on Audible, so I, I got to listen to it. So. so you like him as well? I do like him as well. I've yeah. been a fan for a very long time. Yeah. Um, in Honeycomb, we teach some of his principles, but we've also disproved some of his principles mm -hmm. um, using data. So it, it's interesting to be in a dialogue with kind of the thought process that he goes I through. I know, right? Yeah, so maybe you can talk about that sometime. Sometime. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank it's you. Been wonderful thank you to for have having you. me. It's interesting. Yeah. Had a good time. Thank you. Us as well. Um, so thank you very much for watching Let's Coffee. Um, we invite you to subscribe uh, to this YouTube channel and, of course, follow Yardstick Coffee and Honeycomb Manila and Daily Drink Magazine on Instagram. Let's Coffee is a collaboration between Daily Drink Magazine and Yardstick Coffee. Um, and it's really simple. We just want to sit down, have some coffee, talk about some big ideas, um, and relax a bit. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank so you. thank you very much again, Steve. Thank you. It's Garrett. been a pleasure. Let's coffee.